on today's slightly less eventful Quintelligence podcast. We'll talk about the Sean Kelly trade. We'll go over the Takashi Toriyama rumors. And we'll give some New Year's resolutions for a handful of returning Padres. This is the December 30th, 2014 edition of the Quintelligence podcast. December 30th edition of the Quintelligence Podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined, as always, by Padres Jagoff. Yes, we are ready to talk some Padres after last week's string of emergency podcasts. Yeah, today's going to be a little bit slower of a virgin, uh, version, a, a virgin, no, of a version. We only have one trade to talk about, and that is that the Padres acquired pitcher Sean Kelly from the New York Yankees in exchange for a minor league relief pitcher, Johnny Barbado. Uh, any quick reactions here? I mean, I like it. I mean, it plays into the win now uh, strategy that I think Preller is going for. Um, I first saw the name and it didn't really ring any bells with me, but uh, people seem to be real high on him. Um, I think when I saw his name, I assumed he was some kind of you know younger reliever, a lot of years of control. But I think this is his last year of arbitration, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, for a middle reliever, I mean, he's fairly highly paid, especially for the Padres. I think he's at like two and a half million dollars or so. Yeah, I was familiar with the name only because in fantasy baseball last year, he picked up a couple saves when Robertson went down with an injury. And, of course, in fantasy baseball, you know, every single closer for every team and all their backups. Uh, but, yeah, he has only one year left. It's kind of a win-now move. Uh, I'm not even sure Barbados much of a long-term guy. He's already in the middle of his age 22 year. He'll be 23 by opening day. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the upside is there, except perhaps maybe some seventh-inning uh, relief duties at the major league level somewhere down the line. I'm okay giving that up in exchange for a – Relief pitcher that you're not going to find on the market for two and a half or three million, whatever it is, his arbitration value is going to be this year. So if you want a good reliever, I mean, you know, generally you'd have to pay ten, fifteen million dollars. I mean, look at what the Astros paid Luke Gregerson this offseason. So uh, I also think he might be uh, due for a slight uptick in performance, and that's because he is an extremely heavy fly ball pitcher, and he'll be moving to Petco. Now, granted, he started his career in Seattle. And still had home run problems, but uh, maybe something about the marine layer will favor him a little bit more. So it's it's a minor move. It's it's one I do like though, and I think it'll kind of help the Padres in 2015. Well, I mean, a lot of people have said they think he's got closer potential. Um, so I, you know, for a one year you know a one year flyer, maybe he likes pitching here. I I, I don't know. Um, but as far as for 2015, I, I don't think you can view it as anything except. Uh, positive. Right. And I, and I wonder if the Padres made him closer and he had a humongous year because he has godly strikeout numbers, something like 11 per nine innings, which is, you know, it's not Craig Kimball, but it's like the next tier. I wonder if they did that. And he had a human was set to get a huge contract in free agency 
if there's any chance that he get a qualifying offer and decline it and, and bring back the Padres a first-round pick? I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that's – I think even as a middle – a solid middle reliever or setup guy, I, I think you could give him a qualifying offer, especially with the contracts that have gone out this year. Yeah, and now granted that's kind of prefaced on him having a huge 2015 and, you know, that's still a little bit ways off. Uh, but, I mean, it's something that maybe you know, we'll – I've been talking we'll, huge though. Gregerson didn't have a huge year this year and wasn't really huge. I mean, he was good. He wasn't huge. Yeah, but I think Gregerson was consistently good, and he also threw more innings. I think Kelly averages something like 50, and they're generally lower leverage innings. Gregerson's handled the higher leverage innings, and you know I think he led the league in appearances over the last five years or something. So I think there's a little bit of a durability and, and usage difference between the two guys. But But yeah, I still think that's something that actually could come into play here. Yeah. Again, I mean, Johnny Barbado, I don't think was in the long-term plans. Uh, from what I've heard, he's you know, can throw hard, can hit 97 in short periods, but is probably most likely looking at some type of relief job in the future. Um, so, you know, they've been, we talked about it last podcast. They, they're investing a lot into 2015. So I, I like seeing moves like this. If they're going to go for it, I want to see them, you know, depth moves like this are important for uh, for a competing team. Yep. So, I mean, there's not really much to talk about about this trade, but I think you and I are both kind of uh, in favor of it. Very much so. I, I don't. I can't imagine anyone out there is really any is really is really anti this trade. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think the only other thing to really talk about in Padres land right now uh, is the Japanese shortstop Toratani. Uh, I read today that the Potters actually have not made him an official offer. Um, I don't know what to take from that other than uh, hopefully they're prepping for an official offer because we still need a new shortstop. I mean, we do, but when we've talked about this many times before too, but you know, all of the talking heads that are employed by the Padres keep, keep reiterating that, the team is happy with the defense that they're going to get from the Barmas Amarista pairing. And I, I guess with the Padres, I always believe where there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't think that they would be having their mouthpieces pushing that narrative uh, unless that's what we're going to get stuck with. I really wanted Kong. You know, I think he, of the two between Toratani and him, I would have rather taken a chance on Kong, but that didn't happen, and I'm starting to think there's a reason that that didn't happen. It wasn't an excessive posting amount either for him. Yeah, I mean, I can see why they might push Amarista and Barmas, though, if, if, you know, as a preemptive, you know, maybe we have to fall back on these guys. There's, I don't think any feelings would be hurt from Barmas and Amarista if they went out and got an upgrade. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the podcast podcast a bunch kong would have been nice or kang i still don't know exactly how his name's pronounced but uh at five million dollars i don't see why they wouldn't have paid that posting fee um i mean unless they weren't sold on his talent which could be true i mean neither of us has really have really seen the guy play that much yeah but i mean even if you're not sold on his talent then pay him you know 10 million dollar posting fee and don't sign him don't let an opponent you know get a better player yeah, I, I don't get. Yeah, 
I, we talked about it before. I just don't understand the whole posting process there. Yeah, I don't either. But, uh, you know, I, I'll actually be really curious to see how he perf- – I mean, assuming the Pirates sign him, I'll be really curious to see how he performs next year. He'll, he'll be a real bellwether for future, uh, you know, Korean players that are coming over here in the near future since there's so very little to, to kind of compare the Korean league stats over to the major leagues. Okay, well, I want to shift bases here, do something a little bit uh, themed with the time. Uh, we have New Year's coming up. Every New Year, I like to make a resolution for myself. Uh, this year, I want you and I to make resolutions for some of the returning Padres. So we're not going to make resolutions for Matt Kemp or Justin Upton, guys we're not really familiar with that much. But we will make New Year's resolutions for players and or managers or front office executives that are returning to the Padres and ways they might improve uh, in 2015. So I'm going to throw out a name here, and I want to hear what, what you have as a 2015 New Year's resolution for this player. So we'll start with Jed Jerko. Well, uh, I think his New Year's resolution is to – I mean, obviously it's to get his 2014, put that behind him. Uh, and the obvious answer is he, his resolution is to is to hit like he did two years ago, if not better. Um, personally, I'm a, I'm a fairly new dad. I've got a kid that's under a year, and – I don't think it's unfair to him to say that I wouldn't be surprised if having twins in the middle of the season affected him. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have had kids. I mean, it's a fact of life, but, uh, you know, he's all alone out here. His family all lives in West Virginia. One kid is really difficult for me and, and two kids for Jericho is even harder. Um, so I, I think that, as a parent, I can say going into his second year of parenthood that I think um, things are probably going to be a little easier personally, sleep-wise, rest-wise. It's a lot of responsibility, and I think he is going to bounce back. I think his resolution is to find life balance for himself, and I think he's going to – I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to perform a lot better as a result of that. That's probably controversial because people don't like bringing up people's kids and how that's affecting performance, but – uh, for anyone that's had a kid, it affects your performance at everything. So that's my personal opinion on it. Fair enough. I'll defer to you on this one because I do not have any children. Um, but, yeah, I think anything to get Jed Jericho performing how he did as a rookie two years ago, uh, I would be in great favor of that. I mean, I think he's one of the most critical pieces of this team. If If you are going to be competing in 2015 – I think you need Jed Jerko to at least match his 2013 performance. Um, I yeah, mean, I think defensively he's been pretty good, but um, and his injuries seem more of like the freak nature, not uh, not recurring type injuries, muscle type injuries, ligament, whatever. So, I mean, I think if he can stay healthy, and I, I honestly think he's going to bounce back to to you know low average, high power, maybe like a Dan Ugla ish player more in his prime. And I think it's going to be a huge impact, especially if he's manning second base. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. Uh, Second basemen generally don't produce very well. And if you have someone like Jerko who can hit 25 home runs of that position, 
and field it, you know, league average, that's going to be a huge boon to the team and, and the winning prospects in 2015. So stop having kids, Judge Jericho. I guess that's what we're saying here. Uh, it's or at okay. least not during the season. We're planning for the off season, you know. Yeah. You got, you got to time it uh, ahead of time. Yeah, it's just that easy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, you got a play for me here? Um, yeah, how about Yonder Alonso? Okay, um, my resolution for Yonder Alonso is to swing the bat more. Um, and this sounds somewhat weird, but there was an article on Fangraphs, and I'll link you to it here on the podcast page. Um, I think this was maybe from last year or maybe the year before that, showing that, you know, this was looking at the pitch effects data for the hitters, and or swing effects is what it's called sometimes. Basically, Yonder Alonso is one of the most patient players in all of baseball, and, and that's the case in two ways. The first way is that he just doesn't swing at pitches outside the zone, and generally that's a good thing, but also he makes contact with the highest percentage of balls he swings at, um, and I think that's a factor of, you know, the fact that he doesn't swing at pitches outside the zone, but also that he has really good contact skills. And I think what might be happening to him is he's too patient and he's not swinging at advantageous strikes early in the count. Um, now, granted, I am basically pulling this out of nowhere just by looking at those two figures. But look, this is a guy who hasn't hit for much power, even though pretty much everyone thinks he should have or everyone – at least projected him to have some power when he was drafted out of Miami. So I'm thinking maybe that, you know, a, a change in approach would be a good thing for him. So, and, and it's looking increasingly like he's going to be the first baseman for the Potters this year. So that is my resolution for Yonder Alonso. Swing the bat more early in the count. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a virtual certainty that he's our first baseman. You know, I'm not sure who else on the roster – is there for it. And I, I think with someone with his pedigree, you've got to give him, give him a try out there. Um, I can say that watching him in person and watching him many times last season, you're correct. He, he, he's very patient. Like it's like he, it's like, it's like Sandy Alderson is his personal swing coach, like drilling that into their head. And I don't think that's what the, I mean, that was formerly the mantra of the Padres minor leagues. I don't think that's what they're pushing anymore. Um, but yeah, more aggressiveness out of Yonder would be would be would be big for him. Okay, let's let's go to a new guy here. Um, how about Alexi Amarista? Okay, uh, I would say for Alexi, number one is uh, don't read Twitter about himself. Uh, I think Alexi might be the least popular Padre, at least among the blogger. Uh, Twitter crew out there. Um, and then second, I think his key contribution to the team should be to tell Bud Black that he is no longer able to play the outfield. Um, for all the grief that Alexi Maurice has gotten on Twitter, um, he's a pretty good defensive shortstop, at least in, in the short cameo that he had last season. He can't hit. He can't get on base. He thinks he's fast, but he's not. He he can't steal bases. But he can play defense at shortstop, apparently. And if that's all he can contribute to this team, I think that's where we're at right now. Unless unless we acquire another shortstop, I think that's that's a good resolution for him, to stick with what he does best instead of 
you know, trying to be a jack of all trades and a master of none, you know? Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, if he read Twitter and he was uh, keeping track of what everyone says about him, I I can't see how that wouldn't affect him on the field. I mean, granted, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not professional in almost anything, so I don't have to deal with constant criticism about my job uh, from outsiders. But I can't imagine that's a fun thing to deal with, especially if it's overtly negative all the time. So, uh, yeah, definitely don't get on the Twitter, Alexi, at least, you know, not during the months of April through October, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, if he ever ran into Ghost of Ray Kroc, I think he would he would ignite like a nuclear bomb. Like he would be so angry. Um, but, you know, I guess that's part of, you know, it's part of the job. It's actually, it's not even just the bloggers. There was an interview last year, and I forget who the player was, but they asked who the smelliest player on the Padres was, and immediately they jumped up and said Alexi Amaristo, who, who apparently loves the loves the cheap cologne in the locker room. Like, there's no avoiding it wherever he goes. There's criticism for him. So maybe a good pair of headphones. Buy a good pair of headphones. Yeah, that would be good. Noise canceling. Yep. And it's weird, too, because Amarista is actually one of my favorite players. Like, I like I, – I don't think he's good, but I enjoy watching him on the field because he's, you know, because he's so small. And actually, when, when I ran into you at the uh, the gift shop this week where you made some, some key Padres purchases, um, I, 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 I joked that there were no Amarista jerseys. I was seriously thinking of buying an Amarista jersey had I found one. I might have bought two because my wife would have wanted one also. Maybe you could buy the authentic game used jersey for your small child. That that would be fantastic. Um, she might have outgrown it already, though. But yeah, um, but yeah, that would be pretty cool. Okay, enough enough with the uh, Amarista wisecracks. I think. Well, speaking of people who are uh, unpopular on Twitter, um, I've got one for you next. None other than Princeton's own Will Venable. Yeah. I'm I'm not a big Will Venable fan, but if I had to make a resolution for him, it would be for him to accept his role as a bench player for the 2015 season. Now, granted, we've talked in here a couple times about how the outfield is not set for 2015, so you know who knows who's going to be back. But if Will Venable came back as a bench outfielder, I don't think he'd be all that bad. And I think if he if his career goal is to win a World Series. He's going to have to realize that he's not a starting outfielder for that team. He does a few things well. I, I mean, I think he's at least an adequate defender in right field. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a starting center fielder, but he can play there. He can come in in the late innings uh, in a double switch or something. Um, and he does have a little bit of power. Now, he strikes out way too much for my liking. But if he can just accept that role and not be a nuisance in the clubhouse, not demand a trade, you know, be a consummate professional about it, and just realize – that he's not going to be starting in an outfield that has Justin Upton, Matt Kemp, or Will Myers, nor should he be, I think that would be a very useful resolution for him. I, I can't see him being that upset about it because really his entire career he's been basically that role. I mean, he I guess last season he went into it as a starter coming off a extension and an okay year the, the year before, but I don't really think he's ever solidified himself as a starter in his entire career. And he's always been used kind of as that, 
you know, like like a Swiss Army knife in the outfield, playing left, right, center, you know, er, anywhere that's needed. Um, but I agree with you. I think as far as reserve outfielders go, um, if you've got an outfielder that has potential of hitting 20 home runs, you know, in a full season and can adequately defend the outfield positions, I think that's very valuable. And especially in this lineup, having someone that's left-handed that can do it. Um, I, I think that's important. And I, I do hope that he takes your resolution to heart. And, and not just that, but I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Will Myers is coming off a wrist injury and Matt Kemp doesn't have the greatest injury history. I mean, there's a chance that he ends up playing a lot anyways, but just to have the mentality that he's, you know, on a winning team, he's going to have to be a guy coming off the bench and, you know, accept that role, you know, learn how to pinch it effectively late in games, which, you know, isn't this, you know, statistically it's not an easy thing to do. If you look at the career numbers of guys who pinch hit versus, you know, their regular start numbers. I, yeah, I, I, I can't see how this, isn't the most useful resolution for him this year. Yeah. Now at the same time, I don't know if he has what it takes to be a late inning pinch hitter, pinch hitting specialist, you know, like a John Vanderwall type. He's really awful. A lot of times at the plate, like I don't know how many times I pulled my hair out last season. Every season he's played where there's, he is the classic Padres hitter where there's a runner on third and no outs and Will Venable comes out, comes up and he's the consummate pop up to the shortstop or strikeout with runners in, 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 you know, you just need a productive out, anything to get that run home. And it's always Will Venable that can't do it. And, right. But I mean, that's, that's what you have Dave Mackin for though. You know, that's like, he'll, there's, he'll, there's, he'll, there's, I mean, he's a crazy wild swinging, terrible eye for the strike zone hitter. No, I mean, I think you need multiple. There's no one, you know, solution as a pinch hitter unless it's Barry Bonds. I mean, you want someone that can hit a home run. If you're down three in the ninth with two guys on, you know, you want someone to come up that can hit a home run. You don't want to have a bench full of Dave Magadans who might be great contact hitters but can't get that big hit uh, yeah, when you true. need it. So, I mean, he can fill the role of, you know, the Matt Stairs that we used to have or whomever it was, you know, in, in season X or Y, but – uh, yeah, I mean, he's not going to be the the Dave Magadan coming off the bench. That's that's not his role. That's not what I want him to be either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I I kind of like Will Venable. I, I mean, he's exciting to watch sometimes, but more than Alexia Marista, I think he earns the scorn that he gets on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere among the fans. Sometimes he's infuriating to watch so often. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. But he is very fun to watch field. Yeah, and he's got a great hairline. Yeah. Okay, um, let me give you a, another one here. Um, how about uh, recent Potters edition? So this is kind of – it doesn't really fit the whole returning Padres thing because he wasn't here that long. But uh, how about Solarte? Uh, I think his uh... – his resolution is going to be to convert all of his calendars over to just April. Like it'll just be a repeat of April for all the months because if there's any way that he can somewhat duplicate his April last year, not even duplicate come, come to like 66% of his last year. I think we'd be, we'd, we'd have a miracle on our hands at third base. Um, 
a lot of people when he came up last year, he was filling in for A Rod, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, and he had an amazing April. I want to say he had seven home runs in that first month, and people were all excited about him. New York was going crazy for him, and then obviously he kind of leveled off. Um, but here in San Diego, you know, he was okay. He was a good utility type player. I don't think he was a, showed starting capabilities at the time, but. If he could somehow capture that magic of um, what he had last April and, I don't know, keep it going somehow. I mean, that, that's his goal is to, is to capture whatever he had last April because if he doesn't, I think he's doomed to a lifetime of being a marginal utility player in the majors. Um, yeah, and, if, and, if, and, and I, I like this resolution, and I, I want to add that if he's only going to have one good month next year, I actually hope it is April because the Potters have gotten off to such horrible starts recently that even if he can just replicate his April and the rest of his season next year as he did last year, uh, I think that'd be uh, fine with me. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, if the Potters are in it come July and they've already put all their eggs in this basket, you know, that's kind of a, a low-hanging fruit to upgrade third base there, especially with uh, potentially several high-profile third basemen about to hit free agency. Um, or only a year off. The, you know, there might be actual trade targets there. So if he's going to have a good month, be it the month where he's playing, have it be April. Yeah, similarly, uh, let's tell Will Venable to convert his April calendar into September, since that's the only month that he ever hits. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, what well, else? for you, I think we have one more. Uh, he is our... Well, another reserve outfielder now, uh, Cameron Maben. Oh, boy. I couldn't think of anything good. I, I wanted to say something like just, you know, finally live up to your potential. But that's – I mean, that that's for everyone. I want all of them to do that. But I guess for his resolution, I want him to take it easy when he's playing because he seems to always – maybe I'm just making this up in my head, but he always seems to get hurt diving for a ball he didn't necessarily have to die for or, or doing something stupid that wasn't, you know, it might have been extra effort that wasn't worth uh, what ended up happening. So I want him, if he gets in there, he needs to know that, you know, objective one is to stay on the field. And if that means that every once in a while there's a ball that he might be able to get to with an awkward dive that he has to let fall, I think I'm at the point where I just say so be it. Because he's not going to stay healthy if he – plays 100% all the time. That's just not who he is. It, it will never be who he is. Well, at the same time, he's, I mean, assuming he's on the, you know, the starting roster, the 25-man the roster, he's looking at being a late-inning defensive replacement at this point. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I would think Will Venable would probably be first off the bench for hitting as a pinch hitter. Um, maybe I mean, what role is he feeling? I mean, as a def- late-inning defensive player, I kind of want him going all out, throwing his body around, because if he's in the, for those innings, I assume it's some kind of higher leverage, maybe preserving a lead-type situation. I mean, he might start against left-handed pitching. I mean, I don't want to totally dismiss the chance that Will Myers or some other outfielder plays first base against left-handed pitching, you know, sending Yonder to the bench. And Maven starts in center field because, I mean, he is the best defending outfielder they have. I don't think anyone would argue that. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think you want to completely take his – I don't know. I, I just feel like 
a couple years ago, he was the best Padre. I mean, he was like uh, by war, I believe maybe three years ago he was right before the extension. Mm-hmm. And really he's just been plagued by injuries and a little bit of inconsistent performance. But if you could get him out there just against left-handed pitching and kind of prop up the defensive uh, alignment in the outfield, because, you know, Matt Kemp's pretty poor by most metrics and, and none of the guys out there are projected, you know, very well. And you get to sit Leander Alonso against left-handed pitching. I don't think that's necessarily a horrible idea. Now I haven't thought it through fully, but I don't think he's necessarily just a late inning defender. I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, I don't again, know. Again, with the current roster, because it's it's again. I just want to keep saying that because I don't think he'll be here come opening day. Yeah, I was just about to say it's hard to say because I'm running through my head. I'm Bud Black, and I need you know. I want someone to come in against a left-handed pitcher. There's, you know, Quentin, there's Venable. There, I guess you aren't going to pull Venable, but you've got Quentin, you've got Maven. Um, there, there's a lot of options, you know. You want to give an outfielder a break, so then you pull from a pool of four right now, you know. And it's hard to decide who, you, who, you, who you'd want to go with. I mean, Carlos Quentin, you know, again, if healthy – is an okay hitter. Like you, maybe you want him. It, it's hard to say where Maven fits in the hierarchy of uh, who goes in in what situation and how often. But I'm with you. I don't think he'll be on the starting roster. I, I don't think he'll be on the 25 man roster come come April. That's really his resolution. It should be talking to his agent to uh, find him a better place to play. Yeah, but but shh, this is a Padres block. Let's not yeah, have that happen. Yeah. Okay, um, how about this, another similar one in the sense that right now he, I guess, projects to be a reserve outfielder, uh, I suppose, Seth Smith. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him too. Um, I think my resolution is to expand my defensive capabilities. Um, take a lot of infield practice. Uh Watch the Fred McGriff video, the uh, the uh, Tom Amansky fielding um, fielding video, because, like I said, you know there's a big log jam in the outfield. He he is a left-handed bat. It'd be nice to get him in the lineup wherever possible. Um, and I know everyone wants. I think we're we were all relegated to having Yonder Alonso at first base, but um, I think it's it's not a bad bet that Yonder Alonso is going to do terribly again. And it would be nice if Seth Smith was was ready to to just jump in there as the as the new left-handed bat at first base. Um, he's very athletic. He played quarterback at Ole Miss. He's Eli Manning's backup. I mean, he's got the athletic ability to do whatever he puts his mind to. I think. Um, so I'm hoping, and I, I'm not sure that outfield. I don't think in the outfield he's he's the best option to bring in as a reserve. I mean. Honestly, I think in a lot of ways, Venable's probably a better option as as the the fourth guy, um, just because he's a better fielder. Um, so to get his bat in the lineup, I think I I hope he's talking to Alexi Amaristo on how you know how being flexible and being dynamic as far as positions you can play can can get you more at bats on this team while you're playing for Bud Black. Yeah, I think what you're really saying is, can Seth Smith play shortstop? I mean, oh, we, drafted, yeah. we drafted a quarterback who just happened to be drafted as a shortstop, 
and we have this other former quarterback, and we really need a shortstop. Now, that's exactly. – that's Catcher. If he can play catcher, you know, just play whatever. Because, uh, honestly, I think if Bud Black told Alexi Amarista, hey, Alexi, we need you to suit up and play catcher for the rest of this game, Alexi would jump in in a second because I think I think he's realized that that's – that's his tool. His tool isn't being good at anything. It's just that he can do a marginal job at a lot of different things. Yeah, he's not a complete disaster everywhere. Right. But Seth Smith can be okay at a lot of things, which is which is pretty valuable when it when it's applied to a lot of different positions. You don't have to be the best, but if you can be okay to to f- kind of good at a lot of things, that's a really valuable person to have on a team. So yeah. I'm hoping he can embrace that that job. Yeah, my my resolution for Smith would simply just to be get us something good uh, in return in a trade, and, and and get over the fact that someone in a previous administration promised that you wouldn't get traded, because I don't see how he's a fit for the Padres in 2015. Not unless you're benching one of Upton or Matt Kemp, which I think makes no sense. Uh, and I think you know based on the fact that he's a left-handed hitter, and you have Yonder Alonso there, who's a left-handed hitter, I'm not sure that makes any sense there either. So uh, I, I don't see how he fits other than uh, as a player who gets traded for someone with similar value that plays a position of more immediate need for the Padres. Yeah, yeah, that's the real resolution. Let's hope that he can get us Chris Davis or at the very least like Brian Mattis or someone. Yeah, anyone anyone that can help more than a reserve outfielder in 2015. yeah. A good group of resolutions. Uh, we should probably pass that on to the Padres to yeah, pass talk on about to them. those players. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, some of the guys in the front office or coaching. Um, how about uh, do you have any resolutions for Mike D? Um. Yeah, my resolution is for Mike D to obviously uh, do everything possible to bring back the brown uniforms. I think um, I think that after the offseason they've had so far, it would be incredible if he somehow loses momentum over the uniform issue because it's a slam dunk for him. It's a slam dunk for the team to just finally make this change. And I'm not sure – I don't think Ron Fowler wants it, but I think Mike D is fairly smart as a businessman and, and has to see the writing on the wall on this issue. I mean, even today, even the hint, like a, a flaky Twitter rumor that they were going to bring red, which which to most people means they're trying to bring back the PCL uniforms, just ignites all of this anger and resentment to the team. And I just don't get how they don't see see that this is a slam dunk win for them. I mean, this would solidify this offseason as the greatest offseason ever for this team. Yeah, so it's too late for them to go to the Brown next year, I think. I, I think right. the opportunity to change paths. So it would be more of a uh, consecutive offseasons, you know, two in a row of being good. But well, yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't have to be. The thing is, so there were people that, that went, and I, I'm assuming Wayne Partello was their quote unquote source on this. But every denial says that they will not be bringing, you know, changing the color scheme for the 2015 season. 
Well, that's obvious to anyone that knows anything about the subject. I mean, the the changes to uniforms are due to the commissioner's office in like June during the season. So that ship has sailed, you know, six months ago. But they are allowed to say, hey, we're trying for this color. We're going to submit an application to the commissioner. You know, this is our plan. And I think that's more what people are looking for, for that kind of commitment or at least efforts for the 2016 season. Which is in play, even even by the denials that the Padres gave today. I mean, that's in play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't understand. Yeah, like you said, I, I don't get the whole red PCL thing. Like, I would be extremely surprised if there's a single season ticket holder right now that was a season ticket holder during the PCL years, or like even attended more than five games. Like, that's a long, long, long time ago. Uh, and now, on the other hand, you have a ton of season ticket holders that grew up with the Brown. I, I don't, I don't see how there's really any debate at all. Like, I just don't get, you know, it's like arguing for the sake of arguing, almost like whoever would argue in in favor of the PCL uniforms. I, I don't get that. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, you were in the Padres gift shop, probably their busiest day they ever had last week when they had 50% off everything. People are clamoring for the brown stuff. You know, they had a whole corner of the store for the Cooperstown collection, brown, brown, you know, uniforms, jerseys, shirts. And if you look at what people had when they were in line, it wasn't a lot of blue. It was a lot of brown hats and brown shirts, brown jerseys. I just don't. I mean, every stat that I could ever think of supports the idea that that brown is more popular, that the fan base wants it. So I, sometimes I just don't get why you wouldn't just do what the fans want. So that's, that's my resolution for D, is, is it, to finally be the person that can bring Brown back. It's not even just Padres fans either. It's like people that just like baseball. I think there's a lot of people that like baseball that would buy Brown Padres stuff, even though they're not even Padres fans. And I don't think that's like a negligible market either, because I know – I have a lot of friends that bought the Astros throwback stuff when they went to their throwback things. And I can tell you right now, I don't even know if any of them have ever been to Houston. So, I mean, I think there is a market for people buying your stuff because it's cool, because it's hip. And I don't see how going to the PCL uniforms, which would be red, and I'm guessing some form of blue probably uh, and and white. I mean, that's – It's red, white, and blue. It's basically the Washington Nationals uniform. Yeah, there's just too many uniforms like that. It's not something that uh, a non-Padres fan is going to purchase. But, you know, the brown, that is used by so few teams in sports. You know, you have national sports writers clamoring for the Padres to go back to brown. They're not even Padres fans. I don't see how, you know, and I think it's really telling how, for example, when Bernie Wilson, uh, the Associated Press uh, writer here in San Diego, asked Ron Fowler for the research into the brown uniform thing, uh, Ron Fowler said, no, he may not see the research. I, I just don't think that really exists to be completely No, I don't honest. think so either. I mean, now you're a season ticket holder, so you should be uh, within their focus group, focus groups at some point, which, you know, I've never been included in, but yeah, I don't think yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, just as a marketing Person, like just thinking of it as a marketer. I mean, the whole point of marketing is to create a brand, create a unique brand that that speaks for your corporation. And I know Moyen Partello is, you know, he's a marketing guy in name only because he doesn't have any formal training or anything. But that's like the key to, to to forming a brand is like having something unique about you. And 
unless the brand is we we're like everyone else, which I don't think is what they're going for. Well, they already have that. Yeah, they've, they've got that. It's not working. So, yeah, that's it. That's it for Mike D. That's the one simple thing. He could do nothing else the rest of the season, and you know, no new food, not no new beer. Like if he could just do that, I think the fan base would be ecstatic. Also, I think if I, I think he has two ways for that to happen, like for the fans to be ecstatic. Uh, the other one would be to remove the BS Plaza, remove any mention of Bud Selig at Petco Park. Yeah, he could do that. Um, I, I kind of think it's just never going to happen. No, it won't. I'm, I'm not saying it's realistic, but I mean, I, I don't actually envision them ever putting a formal sign up or anything. I, They've already downgraded it from what they originally said it was going to be. I mean, I, I, I think they're, they'll wait a couple of years. We'll have the All-Star game, and then no one will ever speak of BS Plaza again. Except for me. Yeah, except when we're angry with Mike D. Yep. Okay, uh, who else do we got here? Well, we could do Partello, I guess. So with Partello, you know, his job is to get people into the seats. Uh, he does a lot of the giveaway items. Um, so last year they had a Houston Streeter Chase Headley giveaway at some point um, in, in September, I think. And obviously those players were traded away, so they had a giveaway night where they had no giveaway. And they brought in the band OAR to play. It was a Belly Up Tavern um, collaboration where they brought OAR in to play on the field for a free concert after the game. A lot of people made fun of it because I don't think in San Diego a lot of people are familiar with OAR, but they're a pretty huge band. They pull a lot of people. They fill Red Rocks and a lot of big venues. And for me, I like the giveaway items, but I think that bringing in more of this Belly Up collaboration after games would be a big hit, you know, given that they had the right band for this market. Um you know, I like the knickknacks and stuff, but I think a little variety in the types of events that they have at the games to pull people in would be a welcome addition. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't – I'm not going to disagree, especially as a new season ticket holder. Uh, I'd be totally uh, well, down invested, with any – You're invested in this now. I know. Anything they can do to spice up what I'm already paying for would be uh, welcome, so I'm not going to disagree with you on this. Um, I mean, maybe you want maybe you want a fedora, but I think a lot of people would be okay swapping out a fedora for a uh, for a free concert. Yeah, I'm not gonna wear a fedora, but uh, you know, I, it seems like at least in the most recent season, the giveaways were uh, better than they were, you know, under Morad and Garfinkel in their final seasons here. I know there were a lot of complaints about how much things were cut. I, I do want to say this though, I. There are a bunch of people who have not had bobbleheads, official bobbleheads given out by the Padres that deserve them. I, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I want to say either Tony Gwynn or Jerry Coleman have, has never had a bobblehead. Um, and I think it's very belated, and I think it would be nice to see whomever it is that has been, you know, forgotten over these years in these giveaways have them featured this year well yeah i think that goes a lot with the argument it's related to bringing the brown back but it's kind of cherishing the heritage of the team and that's what a lot of the other teams in the majors do is they're not giving away bobbleheads of current players they're giving away bobbleheads of former players uh like 
I think it would be cool if they had, you know, some some of their more prominent names showing up in bobblehead form, um, even less prominent. Like, if there was a Bip Roberts bobblehead, I'd go, I'd go nuts for that. Or you like an Eric, an Eric, an Eric Owens one of him diving or something, you know, like anything. Like right. That. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of players in their history that I think, you know, you include a little baseball card so the kids can learn who that player is and. Um, I mean, I'd rather have that than Houston Street bobblehead any day. Yeah, I mean, especially because, you know, you can't trade Bip Roberts from your team history. You know, like, that bobblehead's going to be good. You know, so maybe schedule – maybe the real resolution here is schedule vintage bobbleheads after the trade deadline. That way we're safe. Yeah, everyone gets their bobblehead. And I think it's a larger issue of of just – not being embarrassed of your history, like I feel like I feel like Ron Fowler when he talks about Brown is embarrassed of that era of Padres baseball. But for many of us, that's what we grew up with and cherish. I mean, when I was growing up, I mean the Padres weren't weren't the greatest, but I'll always cherish you know Gary Templeton at shortstop, uh, Bip Roberts at, uh, at leadoff. I mean, there's a lot of people that cherish these things, and I think rather than be ashamed of their of their history. Other teams are proud of their history, and that's kind of a change of philosophy that I think the team needs. Yep. Okay, I'm going to switch here to managing uh, Bud Black resolutions. Uh, Do you have any? Well, we talked about it earlier. Uh, The first is to never play Alexi Amarista in the outfield. Um. Everyone jokes about his bunting, and I think statistically it's probably bad for the team, but I also think that the 2014 Padres were a special case as far as needing anything possible. Uh, So I wasn't actually down on a lot of the bunting as much as I think others were. But uh, Okay, but but wait. I mean, this is a guy who bunted. I don't know if it was 2014 or 2013, but he had something like four sacrifice bunts with his number two hitter, in the first inning, and all that means is he set up his set a lot. You know, at the very least, that means he set his lineup wrong. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, okay, he goes overboard sometimes. Um, I think it got in his head last year how bad the offense was, and he went to some extremes with the lineup shifting and the bunting and and whatnot. Um, I, I think my only other resolution is that. If Preller deems it worthy of calling up one of our top prospects to not just sit them on the bench, that could go for Matt Whistler. That could go for Reimer Liriano. But if they're going to be taking up a 25 man roster spot, um, play them, play them as much as you can. And also don't screw around with the lineup like every game, like please. Yeah, but again, I think last year is a spe- I don't think I think last year was a special case. I mean, it was desperation across the board. Yeah, but I think that's been a complaint with Black every year that he just has way too many lineups. And and sometimes it doesn't make sense why there's changes. Like sometimes I can understand it, um, you know, if it's a platoon or uh, you're facing a certain type of pitcher and you want this guy, you know, being protected by some other player. I don't know. I mean, some of those things make sense, but. He has such wild swings where a guy goes from, like, second to eighth and then fifth, like, three games in a row, and you're like, this makes no sense at all. Yeah, I mean, even going back, like, when Mark Kotze was on the actual active roster, like, 
he didn't start very often, but Bud Black would would then insert him into the cleanup position. Like our worst, literally the worst hitter on the roster, he would stick into the cleanup position. So, yeah, he does some baffling things with the lineup. Um, but I'm hoping that having actually good players going into 2015 might might help him keep a more solid lineup. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, he's playing for his job, so, you know, I guess most people end up performing well in, in contract years, so let's hope the same is for Bud Black. All right, you got any other people you want to make resolutions for? I, I'm I'm pretty much done here. I think that's it. I mean, I'm struggling to find one for myself, let alone uh, for all these other people. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, I don't have much. Um, I, I did know microwave one year, you know, with the uh, basis that things you make in the microwave aren't good for you, and that was actually a pretty good resolution. But I haven't really come up with great ones since then. Yeah, I've got none. I've got nothing. I think I'm just going to keep living life the same way. That sounds good. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't worked out that poorly for me, so I'm just probably going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's the resolution. Don't change what's not broken, right? That's that's actually AJ Preller's resolution. Keep doing what you're doing, please. Keep doing exactly. that. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And trade, well, and trade to dismiss to Baltimore for you know a useful piece, also. Yeah, that's a pretty specific resolution, so that's it. Might be good to have that one in there too. Yeah. You got anything else here to talk about? I'm, I'm out of. I think that's it. I think we've covered the world of Padres baseball. Yeah, there wasn't that much to talk about this week, which is odd, given this off season. But hopefully, we'll be back in a couple of days to talk about some new, crazy deal that just went down. Yeah, we can only hope. All right. Until next time. Happy New Year's, everyone, and go Padres. Go Padres. <laughs>